this morning, I want to invite uh, Rita and Michael to come forward. Because you guys were the recipient of the blessing basket last, last week. Thank you. And, uh, and you were lifted up by many of our, your brothers and sisters here. And so we know that you are going for a, a second opinion here uh, in, in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. So we don't know what, what has happened. We don't know. But we know that by faith we have been claiming uh, what you have asked for. But you shared something with me this week that I thought it would be interesting for you to share with the congregation about where you found yourself with God. Okay, let me see if I have it written down because just so you know, boys and girls, I'm one of those people that where they're, when they're even happy and joyful, I cry. So I have to write it down. I just, it's just a one paragraph, and I want to make sure I don't. Hold the mic close to her, please. Okay, so most of you know, but two weeks ago, I uh, was diagnosed with a uh, with a tumor, but they don't know what it is. All they know is there's something there. So no further tests have been done to, to know anything about it. And we have a consultation on Wednesday. And then they'll tell you, okay, maybe I come in for more pictures or whatever. So we don't know nothing. All we know is that there's a thing there. Um, <clears throat> so two weeks ago, I was diagnosed with something in my brain. And last Sabbath, our blessed church family pulled together in prayer and anointed me here at the church, and we had, uh, like they had in the past with Michael. Um, The power of prayer is amazing, as we all know, and we truly believe that God is capable of everything and anything. Our neighbors and our friends, including the ones that we don't see regularly, came together, including our UPS guy, and he surrounded us with love and support from every direction. God just it's been amazing this week like I've just really felt the love from every source um I have a cleaning business and a lot of my clients know what's happening right now so they also uh put us in their prayer as well and uh we were definitely feeling everything from everyone um this week was quite a journey just trying to get things kind of get your ducks in a row because I never put my ducks in a row when we got married six years ago. <laughs> so let that be a lesson. And But you know what? God provided every step all week. Mm. Yep. Even through, the, through our church and our conference. Um, so we had to get all these legal papers signed, which are almost complete. They'll be done by the church by this week. That's a huge blessing. And then the other thing was meeting with my family in person. Some of them I hadn't seen in months, even though they're in Florida. They're also dealing with their illnesses and cancer and stuff. So we usually get together like once a year. And so they actually got in the car, all of them, and drove to the house. And we had a good time in person finally. So that was awesome. And then um, so that happened. So that, that was that was amazing in itself, if you knew my family. Um, and then we started, you know, the, we started thinking about, well, what about some of these other things that we have to deal with? So um, 
that, uh, like, you know, you need, you need things to get by, right? And uh, the generosity was overwhelming with our bowling family that I, we bowl with, with our church, with our, my clients that I've cleaned for for up to 30 years now. Um, they said, Rita, if you need anything, anything, you come to me. So I praise God for that. And then, uh, let's see, what was my last thing? Um, so, uh, so very early last Sabbath morning, you know, uh, Friday night before I woke up, right? Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, morning before I woke up, I was sleeping. And it was like I had a dream, and God appeared to me in my dream. And I'll tell you, for me, he looked like a jolly, happy guy, but strong and muscular. And he was telling me, I'm, I've got this. I love you. I'm here for you. No matter what, you can count on me. Whatever the journey is, I'm here. And I hear every word that you're, that you're talking to me about, you know. And as I was waking up, you know, I think this was about four morning because I think about five. Yeah, I, I heard uh, her whimpering and it woke me up. Yeah. I'm like, what's, what's going on? What's going on? She's crying. Like, oh, my God. Oh, quietly, I don't know. Quietly crying. I don't know what's, I'm what, emotional. what the deal is. So I'm just uh, thinking, oh, honey, are you okay, honey? And she kept sobbing, just a sobbing. Just a and it, it, turned, it turned into joyful laughter. And it was amazing. Okay, yeah, and so let me see. Because I lose my train of thought. That's my only real issue right now. And so early in the morning, I woke up from this dream or sleep that God's presence was with me totally. Like, I have never, as a human being, even in prayer with everybody, felt what I felt that, that day, that morning. It was, he was right there with me. And uh, let's see, he assured me over and over. He said, you're not alone. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And he kept repeating that same thing like four times as I was, you know, waking up and going through that, that spiritual moment. Now, if you don't mind, Rita, what is significant, significant about this statement that she has, that she's mentioning that God appeared to her and just let her know, I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. We met about what, a week and a half ago, right after your diagnosis. Yeah. And she asked me, oh, yeah. how do I know that God has my back? How do I know he's with me? And I, and I told her, pray, ask, and he will show you. Okay. How do I know that? He, how is he going to show it to me? I said, you will know. That's right. And That's so right. when I got the text yesterday, from her that said, hey, God appeared to me in a dream, and he just assured me that he is with me. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> oh my God. It, it was so awesome. Yeah. It was so awesome. Right, just one, a few more sentences in case I forget. Let's see. So he woke me up, and he told me over and over that I wasn't alone and that he was with me, and I had no doubt. But I wasn't sure how long I'd been in this dream, but I'm thinking some, I woke up around five with him, and I, I'm thinking an hour or so that 
I went through this experience. So, um, and then he just kept repeating it. And then, uh, then I started to wake from the dream quietly, which is when Michael found me and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Because <laughs> um, you know, if you're crying a little bit, he's like, what's wrong? And I said, this is what I just experienced. And we just, uh, you know, laid there and talked about it and prayed about it. And, and it was the most, probably the most second beautiful experience of my life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And let me see. I think that's it. Let me see. Hold on. And now, let's see. And so Jesus is our comforter. And he's going to be with you no matter what goes on in your life. He is. And May I say something? Yes. There's a GoFundMe for Rita because she can't do the work that she has to do to make her family survive. It's under Rita Prosser. Um, and I hope that you will even consider a tiny donation for her. Thank you. So she has been so blessed uh, as she just uh, witnessed to you all and testified to you all that God has been with her. God has reassured her of yeah. his presence with her. Yep. And this is also part of what you have done in praying on her behalf uh, this week. So she was blessed with a, a blessing basket last week, and, and now she's going to, they're going to bless another family. So just, yep, just pick one of those. And, just re and read, please, the last two digits okay. on the card. Here, honey. Let me just go ahead. I'll do it. Oh, you can do it. Nineteen. Come on up, Mary. Mary. What? Oh, thank you, honey. So I want to call Kendall up here too, because this is a family thing. It's not an individual thing. I don't need it. I got a mic. Um, so. I don't need a mic. <laughs> <laughs> he can hold it. May, may I ask that we were to put in the Bible and the devotional, or not the Bible, but the, the journal. one other journal. Yeah. Okay. That was it? Yeah. I'll okay, put this great. on the chair for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so in, in there, there, there are a couple of things that you guys probably, probably already have seen. Those are for you to keep. What stays is the lighthouse. There's a, a small journal that is for you to account the blessings you received as you go through the week, uh, how God strengthened, blessed, and um, is there something in particular that the church family can pray for you guys for during this week? Not everybody knows, but I train service dogs for Golden Paws, and right now I'm doing three placements three probably of the most important placements I've ever done. So I need prayers that these placements go well because there's a lot of things involved that people think, oh, we just train a dog and hand them to the person, and that dog goes on its way. One of them is actually going to become part of the Naples City Police Department as a community outreach dog. This is Max. He's a very special dog. But there are some things that we have to go through, 
politics, which means next Thursday I have to go before the city council for doing a PowerPoint presentation to show them that these dogs do have a purpose. So I hope that all of you will be praying over these placements. I'm doing three. We have a lot more. There's probably about 12 going on right now. We have 40 dogs in the program. Um, so if you say a little prayer, those of you who have service dogs, you know how important they are. So it is something that I really need help with. All right. Yes, and we're going to take the formal picture here. Thank you. Will you join me in prayer uh, as we lift up the Chafee family and, uh, and the Prosser family as well? Let's pray together. Father God, what an awesome God you are. You have assured us that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and we have seen first-hand account of how you have blessed uh, Rita and Mike as they're journeying through this process in their lives. Lord, you've also saw fit that uh, the Chafee family be blessed this week. And Lord, there are many prayer requests that one has been mentioned about the work that they do. And there are those that are unspoken. And so we pray, Father, that you draw near them, that you manifest yourself in the way that you have not done before, and that you continue to provide the blessings. And Lord, we pray also for a smooth transition uh, for these dogs that will be a blessing to individuals who cannot uh, do things normally or function normally as most of us can. Lord, we thank you for your blessing, and we thank you for uh, hearing and answering our prayers. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Flowers are for you, Kendall. Oh, thanks. The presence of God. will cause us to have a variety of feelings and emotions. I remember, I'm gonna, I've shared this story once, I'm going to share this again because I think it's so apropos. I was working my very first job at Camp Winnike. And I was, I was sitting, or I should say I was sleeping, in one of the lodge cabins that overlooks the lake. And we have these blind out, white out curtains that I finished, uh, you know, putting together and, and we closed off the window. And I remember setting my laptop that was about as thick as my Bible back then, underneath the bed, I went to sleep, and it was pitch black. 
And I remember hearing this loud thunder and lightning flash, and I could see the flashing coming through the windows. And as I looked, I wanted to see what was going on. I love thunderstorms. Some don't. I do. Not only do I love thunderstorms, I love lightning storms. I think it is one of the most fascinating things to watch. I had the privilege to actually take a picture without an aperture uh, mode. Just straight. I kind of, I could see it in the distance and I was timing it because the flashes were coming at a particular interval. And I said, here we go. I click and lo and behold, when I developed the film, yes, some of you don't know what that is. There it was, a lightning bolt coming straight down the middle. So I've always been fascinated with, with lightning. And because when Jesus comes back, there's going to be thunder and lightning. And so in this moment, I'd, I'd woken up and, and I rushed outside the lodge. And I'm looking up and I see Jesus coming back. And I'm, and I'm looking around, and I start to see people rising up to heaven. And, and my excitement became fear. Because people were going, and I'm not. And I'm looking around, and I see people that I know starting to rise up in the air. And I'm looking around, and I'm, and I'm not rising. And then I look to Jesus like, <laughs> yeah. Anytime now, kind of a look, like, really? And all he did was nod. And I started to rise, and I woke up. And when I woke up, that dark room never seemed so dark as it was when I went off to sleep. The, the sheer darkness that surrounded me, not because of the lack of light, but the darkness unknowing that I'm still in this world was something that I had experienced for the very first time coming into contact, coming into the light, coming into the presence of God. The sheer contrast of that was overbearing. And for the first time in my life, I felt a frustrative sadness because I wanted to be real so bad. And so I, I was able to gather my thoughts and I was able to not go back to sleep. It was almost impossible. But the one thing that I do remember was the brightness. The brightness that came with seeing Jesus in the pitch black sky and angels flying around them and 
I can't explain to you if it was thunder or if it was lightning or both or if it was just the angels flying at warp speed back and forth creating that glow. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't even remember what Jesus looked like, but I do remember his eyes. When I looked at him and he looked at me and all all he did was nod and that just filled my heart with peace. But there are times when he looks at us that it is not peace. And I'm sure you've experienced this. And today I want to talk to you about somebody who went through this experience as well. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, most of you, if not all of you, have heard this story before. If you have not, let me paraphrase it. And if you would like to, you happen to have your Bibles with you, open it to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. And it happened by the, this gentleman by the name of Saul. Who was Saul? Saul eventually became Paul. But right now in this story, he is Saul. And in this story, what we are told is that in the previous passages is that there was a persecution of God's people. And there was actually a stoning, a murder that took place from one of the members of God's people. People, excuse me. Or we could say one of the members of God's church. And Saul was one of those people that was in charge of the persecution of these individuals. And he went out searching them out, grabbing some, as the historians tell it, pulling them by the hairs of their head outside their houses, throwing them on the streets, and in some occasions, stoning them. This particular gentleman was, was the, known by the name of Stephen. And at the end of that murder, where they stoned him to death, they lay there, while they were stoning, they would lay their tunics at Saul's feet. Saul was complicit, though he did not cast one stone in the murder of this person. So he's, he went out and his uh, reputation preceded him. So now he has a special order to go and find God's people in Damascus. And so he's proud about his lineage. He's proud about what he understands. He's proud of what he knows. And as he goes on this road, he encounters the Almighty. The, the book, Acts of the Apostles, tells us this. His mind was deeply stirred. In his perplexity, he appealed to those in whose wisdom and judgment, judgment had full confidence. You see, that stoning messed him up. He looked at that gentleman and saw the serenity and the peace that came with it for being falsely accused and judged and killed, it messed up Saul's heart. 
because he knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. He knew all the ancient writings and the ancient words of that time that pointed to Jesus as the Messiah, but he chose to ignore it. And at that very moment, something happened that he wavered. And so he went back to the people he had confidence in, and they asked him, is this true? Should this man be testifying about Jesus? Is Jesus the one we, are, we have been looking for? And they all assured him, no. And so he left. And as he went on the roads, this light appeared and he fell off his horse, literally. He was blind. He could not see. There was a light that created this atmosphere. The Bible tells us that there was a voice that came, everybody heard it, but only Paul could see the light. Who, who are you, my Lord, he asks. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Man, that's another sermon in of itself. But Jesus is, is, is saying that whatever he was doing to his people was a direct confrontation to Jesus himself. Paul, Saul is speechless, and the Bible tells us in Acts 19, 5-6, he is commanded, he says, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. What I find interesting about this verse Saul has an encounter with God Almighty. There is an understanding based on the story that he knows who this is and he becomes convicted of who Jesus is because he, witnesses, he witnessed all of those things that happened. He probably was at the crucifixion. He probably saw the crowds chanting, Crucify him. Crucify him. He probably was one of those who were in the background, in the judgment hall, when the Sanhedrin sent him to Pilate. But the Bible tells us that he did go. He rose. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw nobody. And what happened? The people that were with him took him by the hand, and they led him all the way to Damascus. Now, that's not a very attractive environment. If you are to Google the road to Damascus, there are many images, but a scenic image is not one of them. This was a desert place, an arid place, a hot place, and you are blind and you can't see and you're being led. They went into the city and there he was for three days. He didn't eat or drink anything. 
See, we don't have to worry about Saul understanding Scripture because he was one who studied under one of the most prominent theologians of his time. But we saw in last week's sermon that the two disciples that were in Jerusalem on the way to Emmaus, as they traveled, they couldn't understand what the Scriptures were talking about until Jesus unfolded the Scriptures before them. Saul understood. As soon as Jesus appeared, he understood exactly all those scriptures that he questioned at the stoning of Stephen. It became a reality for him. No problems asked. No questions asked. No problems had. And he chose. He didn't drink and he didn't eat. There are times... It says here, he continued, in sadness and brokenheartedness of spirit, he recounted the many times. This is Acts of the Apostles, page 112, if I'm not mistaken. Spirit, he recounted many times. He had closed his eyes and ears against the most striking evidences he had relentlessly urged on the persecution of believers in Jesus of Nazareth. Why is this significant? How many of you, please do not raise your hands, how many of you have ever read something in the Bible that has convicted to the innermost parts of your body that when you read that, you felt guilt or guilty? Or you felt like you were unworthy? Or you felt like you're the one who held the nail that pierced Jesus' hand as it was being hammered to the cross. How many of you have felt that inadequacy or that, uh, that guilt that comes from, I am a sinner, therefore I am not worthy? This is what Paul was feeling. In these three days, as he understood and he went back to the account of revisiting the images of the stoning of Stephen, in comparison to the scriptures that revealed Jesus as the Messiah and how bad he felt, how awful he felt, how ashamed, how guilty. The Bible doesn't reveal to us what exactly happened in those three days. But we know he didn't eat or drink. It's a pretty hot place to be in and not drink. It is inferred that the guilt he felt was because of how wrong he was. And how many times have you and I come to a scripture and we say, man, I was so wrong, and that guilt overshadows us. It is my belief that one of the things on the road to spirituality, once we come in contact with our Savior, even though he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even though he says, I will forgive you, we still have to forgive ourselves. We have to allow ourselves to say, yes, I messed up. But he died for me, so I can be forgiven. 
the guilt that we feel is not about how awful you are as a person, but because he died for me. And he died for you. And Saul is now Paul is wrestling with this. And even in all of this, he is still not being told what to do. You are blind. You cannot see. You are dependent on others to help you. I mean, he traveled, I don't know how far, on that course to Damascus. He doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And his reputation preceded him, so everybody that lived in Damascus that were Christians feared for their lives because he was coming. How do I know this? Because of what happens next. The book of John, 1 John, little John, says if we are If we confess our sins, he is occasionally, sometimes, he will evaluate your circumstance. He will, depending if you've been returning your tithes or not, he is faithful and just. Right? Those two characteristics only can be applied to God. He is faithful and he is just. He's never leave us nor forsake us. But if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that guilt you feel for not having obeyed God's word. That guilty feeling you may have had for having said something you shouldn't have about so-and-so. That feeling of unrighteousness because you saw something you shouldn't be watching. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive some of our sins. All. All of our sins. Not just one. All of those we confess. All of those we bring to him. All of those things that create that guilty feeling of inadequacies. He removes them. He also prayed. This is one of the interesting things about this particular text. The book of prayer A book on prayer written by Ellen White, page 11, she says this. The Lord draws out the soul in prayer and gives us to feel his precious love. We have a nearness to him and can hold him sweet communion with him while in prayer. She continues. "We We obtain distinctive views of his tenderness and compassion, and our hearts are broken and melted with contemplation of the love that is given to us. Did you catch that? By praying to God, not only does he draw near you, 
you begin to have these different perspectives, these different views, distinct views, she says, on who God is because of your prayer. I believe that in those three days he was praying and that God came to him and relieved him of that guilt. But not only, not only that, prayer is one of the fundamental reasons why that is needed, one of the fundamental disciplines that is needed in our spiritual development with God. When we neglect private prayer, it becomes easier to neglect it the second time, and so on and so forth, and thus the powers of darkness are much more stronger for you to resist. Why? Because you're not in connection with God Almighty. It is the secret prayer that enables us, that draws God to us. Right? She continues, We feel indeed an abiding Christ in the soul. We abide in Him and feel at home with Jesus. This is Sounds a lot like that text in John chapter 15. Abide in me, Jesus says, for I am the true vine. Abide, abide, to stay. See, the road to spirituality has its, leads us to have a closer relationship with Jesus. The road to spirituality is filled with things that sometimes come up. And if we are not rooting ourselves in the words of Scripture and not secluding ourselves in, not secluding from the world, but taking ourselves aside in private prayer, we will be less resistant to temptation. Paul knew the Scriptures. He was a, he was a, a prodigy of, of the rabbis. But until he came face to face with Jesus... That's when everything unfolded. See, I want to illustrate. I need a volunteer. All right, I just, I just have one. All right, Tyler, come on up. Hey, you're, the, you're the brave soul, man. Okay, and you just do me a favor. I need you to light the candle. In the cup. All right, sweet. Now, I need you to place the balloon on top of the cup. All the way down. There you go. Just hold it there. Yep. Anything else? All right, well, I have backup. Yes, please. So I need you to blow this up about the same size. Should be easy. That's good. 
Yeah, we don't want it too, too. You ever tied a balloon before? Steve, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> All right, two fingers, slide through, done. Okay, all right, let's try this again. Come this way, that way, everybody can see. All right, let's try this again. Come on, come on, there you go. What happened? Oh. Let go. Let go. Whoa, what? What? Hold on. Do me a favor. I got to protect the cup because I, if I break it, I, I'm going to sleep in the couch tonight. <laughs> go ahead. Pick up the balloon. Pick, pick it up. Lift it. Lift it. What happened? Um, I'm guessing the fire melted. The fire melted the thing? All right. Let's see. if it, Can you hear anything? Okay, what did you hear? Um, it was like a suction. There was a suction. All right. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for your help. Appreciate it. So, to review, there's physics involved, okay? There's fire, and there's a limited source of oxygen. Oxygen is consumed, and then the balloon is sucked into the cup. Just like how prayer works. When we pray, God draws down to us. And wherever it is that we go, and the Bible says that pray without ceasing. In other words, pray constantly. As you pray constantly, God, wherever you go, God is with you. God is going to go wherever it is that you want to go. And if, and God is going to lead you to wherever it is. And you are connected because he has drawn into you. This is what happened to Paul. He began to pray. Not only did he begin to pray, there was another man by the name of Ananias. And he began to pray. Actually, God appeared to him and he said, I want you to go and I want you to lay hands, the good kind, on Paul. And he did. But not without hesitation. Remember, Saul's reputation preceded him. And he says, well, Lord, this man came to kill us. And Jesus said, go. He's going to find out what it means to suffer on behalf of my name. And he did. He laid hands on Paul. And this text jumped out at me. Brother Saul. What? Brother, are you kidding me? You came to kill me? And now I have to call you brother? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared on the road to you as you came and has sent me that you may receive sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. That's not Acts. 
That's Galatians. You see, Paul understood that the moment that he accepted Jesus, he began, it was like mind-blown, because of his sacrifice, because he came, I am now a member of God's family. You see, Paul wrote this book, Ephesians, excuse me, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. And he's telling everybody around this, the moment you accept Christ, you become adopted into his family. How do I know this? Where did he get this from? Well, he had an experience. The experience that Ananias, a disciple in Damascus, when instructed to go and anoint Saul, he said, brother. Have you ever been ostracized in God's house? If you have been on behalf of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I apologize to you. Because this is not a place for segregation, racism, separation. Family sticks together. And this is what Paul became, family, brother, the same Jesus who appeared to you told me to come and anoint you because you're going to see again. And that's where he gets this concept from, adoption. Not only does he write it here, he writes it in Ephesians, my favorite book of the Bible, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus always had you in mind when he came to die for you. Amen. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how you, how you did it. It doesn't matter what family you came from or not. Doesn't matter what your relationship with your spouse is. Right now, Jesus is saying, you choose me, I got you. Amen. You're in my family. Because he planned for that since the beginning of time. And the Bible tells us that immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized. You see, part of this Road 2 series, it's not just... The discouragement that comes our way, it's not just the fear that we encounter, because that on occasion does surface. But when we come face to face with Jesus, there is a choice that we have to make to either follow or not, to either take that step in his direction or not. Even if you choose not to, Jesus is still calling. He doesn't stop. Revelation tells us that he stands at the door and he knocks a continual presence. It's never too late. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what experiences you've had or not have had. He's calling you. And today, he's calling, at least I know one person, to be baptized. I know I'm already working with a few. This is not a a, a call that applies to you. This is a call that applies to somebody who has yet to choose to become baptized. 
Have you encountered Jesus on your road to spirituality, but yet you've been reluctant to make that choice? Do you hear Jesus calling your name? And if you have heard him calling, have you made that decision? Because baptism is not just you going in, uh, into the tank to say, all right, I'm a, but it's an answer to him calling you because he wants you to be a part of his family. Is there somebody here today that has yet to make that decision and that would like to say, Lord, I, I'm one of those that I've been putting this off for a long time. And I just, I'm done. I'm done, as the Bible puts it, kick, kicking against the goads. You know, I, I just want to make a commitment. If you're one of those, I'd love for you to come forward. I want to pray with you. But there's, a, there's another component to this also. There are those that have me strayed away. And now find their road on their way back. And would like to renew that commitment with Jesus. Because you have either strayed away and, and you have not yet answered that call the way it's, it was meant to be. And you found yourself with a new revelation of Jesus, a, such a fresh insight of who Jesus is that you're like, oh, I want, I want this for the rest of my life. Is there somebody that also fits that category? I know, I know that the Holy Spirit is working on somebody's heart here this morning. And I'm not trying to be a sensationalist. I'm not trying to push it. But I know that God is working on your heart. Why not say yes? Why not say yes to God? Why not say yes to Jesus? I would love to pray with you. They're going to sing our blessing song. I'm going to stay right here. If you feel that you're one of those, you're one of the Hanukkah. Your date is coming.